this morning, I want to share a message with you. Uh, this is something that the Lord has put on my heart for a while, and I've just been waiting till the right uh, moment, the right time to share it with you. Um, I, I, it, I, I, I'm going to talk about some things uh, that may be challenging uh, this morning, and, and I believe it's a word for us as a church. In, in a few weeks, I'm going to start a new series uh, on the dreams that God has given us. Uh, but, but between now and then, there's just a few things that I feel like, uh, it's been in my spirit for a while, that I feel like are words for us as a church that I, that I want to share. And today, I want to talk, uh, talk about being undignified. Um, the word dignity and the word pride are often confused. They're often conflated. And what I mean by that is, is people often think when they think of the word pride and they think of the word dignity, they often think they are the same thing. When in fact, pride and dignity are two very different things. They're very different things uh, biblically. The truth is, you, you cannot steal a person's dignity. Dignity is, is a man alone's gift, his, his own thing that he can give or he can, he can surrender. But you can't steal a person's dignity. On the other hand, you, you can steal a person's pride. And, and so this morning, I want to talk about a little bit about the difference between dignity and pride. And I want to talk about getting undignified. I want to talk about surrendering one's uh, dignity. People confuse pride and dignity uh, because they often look, they look alike, but, but as we begin the message this morning, I, I want you to understand that pride is, in fact, false dignity. Pride is false dignity. It's not dignity at all. See, dignity is an internal sense of respecting oneself. It is an expression of who you are. Dignity is an extension of your identity. When I am secure, or maybe even think about it this way, when I'm secured, I have dignity. When I have dignity, it can't be shaken, and it cannot be taken away from me. However, I can choose to lay my dignity down. Jesus demonstrated that for us. The scripture talks about the fact that he left heaven, he came to earth, he humbled himself. When we talk about humbling oneself, what we're talking about is laying one's dignity aside. Pride, on the other hand, is different than dignity. Where dignity is an internal thing, pride is something that happens outside of ourselves. Pride is often dependent upon comparison. Think of it this way. When a person is prideful, they're asking the question, how do I look compared to somebody else? How do I compare? Am I better or am I worse? Dignity doesn't ask that question because dignity doesn't require comparison. To the extent that that I do not judge, criticize, demean, or disrespect others. I do not feel compelled to do that towards myself. Let me say that again. 
To the extent that I do not judge, criticize, demean, or disrespect others, I do not feel compelled to do that towards myself. Or if you really want to know the secret sauce or the magic of this, if I don't judge and I don't criticize and I don't rob somebody else of their dignity or if I don't disrespect somebody else, not only do I not feel compelled to do it for myself, but I'm impervious to other people doing it toward me. If you can get nothing else from today, if you can get this, it's going to change your life. The secret sauce is this. When I have dignity, when I have dignity, I am impervious. I am impervious to being judged or criticized harshly or unnecessarily. Because here's the thing. Because I have dignity, I don't do it towards others. So I'm impervious when others do it toward me. Dignity actually speaks of humility and generosity toward myself and toward others. I can be humble because I have something to give. Many of us hear the commands of scripture about humility and we can't comprehend it because we don't have dignity. We're operating out of pride. And when you're operating out of pride, you're empty. So you have nothing to lay down. So you can't be humble when you're prideful. See, pride is different than dignity because pride is fragile. If someone doesn't respond to me just the right way, I'm devastated. If someone doesn't respond to me how I want to be responded to, I'm like a mob boss. I'm going to put a hit out on them because I need to retaliate. Because here's the thing, pride can be taken away from you. So when you don't respond to me the way that I need you to respond to me, you've taken my pride so I have to fight to get it back. Many of us are fighting every day because we're trying to get our pride back because we're living out of pride instead of dignity. This is how I know I'm not living with my identity secured in Christ. Because if I'm not limited, living with my identity secured in Christ, people can threaten my identity every day. But when my identity is sure, secured in Christ, no one can threaten me. I feel no need to retaliate. You can disrespect me all you want to disrespect me because you're disrespecting what you don't understand. My identity is not dependent upon you. My identity is not dependent upon how you respond to me, speak to me, whether you like me or you don't like me. My self-worth has nothing to do with you because my identity is in Christ. I ain't got time to fight for something that doesn't belong to you anyways. The disrespect is too much for me to bear because my self-worth is so easily fractured that I demand everyone to admire me, like me, affirm me. See, these two concepts are so easily conflated with one another, but they're actually the opposite. Pride craves approval so much that it gives away agency and power by trying to hang on to what it cannot control and what it never owned. Dignity, on the other hand, it's dignity's agency and power is rooted in identity in Christ and therefore it knows it cannot be taken. It can only be given. Because I have dignity, nothing can, nothing can threaten me. I can live open-handed. I can live unguarded. I can live free because my identity is in Christ. Today I'm gonna talk about, that's just the introduction. Today, I'm going to talk about being undignified. 
But I couldn't preach about being undignified till I explained the difference between dignity and pride. Because here's the thing, a lot of us are in the church and we hear, we hear messages about worship we hear messages about being undignified. We hear messages about serving Jesus. And we're living it through the lens of our pride rather than godly dignity. And so we confuse worship. We confuse sacrifice. We confuse giving our tithe and offering. We confuse serving in the church. We confuse relationship with Jesus through the lens of pride. And so it often leaves us unfulfilled. So it's necessary to make us understand the difference between dignity and pride because many of us stay at a state of dissatisfaction spiritually because we're still trying to live spiritually of people who are of the flesh out of pride. You see, you don't have the freedom to live undignified unless you have dignity. You can't give away what you do not have. You cannot give away what you do not have. Have. Let us look in scripture at 2 Samuel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach from 2 Samuel chapter 6 today. Uh, I'm just going to read uh, parts of the verses, uh, verses of scripture to you. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to refer to the whole chapter. So I want to encourage you during your daily 20 this week uh, to read 2 Samuel chapter 6. Let me, let me start in verse 12. It says, Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. So when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with the sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, I've skipped down, Michael's daughter of Saul watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. Oh, this is sarcasm for those of you who aren't getting it because that's not really what she meant. <laughs> Going around half naked and in full view of slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, it, it, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from, the house, uh, from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. This passage of Scripture this chapter is, is foundational for me in my spiritual development and my spiritual journey. As a young, as a very young person, that um, that the Lord really brought this passage of scripture to my into my life and really began to teach me and show me things out of this passage of scripture. So, uh, one of the things I just got you got to help you to understand. Um, for those of you I've never had an opportunity to meet or haven't been able to greet you out in the audience, you probably, you may not know it because I'm up here on the stage and it's a little bit elevated. I'm, I am a short dude. <laughs> and I am slight. Um, 
the, the home that I grew up in, you met my parents, phenomenal, amazing people. Uh, but I, I did not grow up with power. I did not grow up with prestige. I obviously did not grow up with physical prowess. It was a lot as a young kid um, growing up. I, I was not the person you would choose um, Thankfully, a lot of my childhood pictures have disappeared. <laughs> I was crazy looking. Um, I'm saying all that to say, maybe some of you can relate to this today. I grew up with some. I grew up with some insecurities. I grew up with a lot of insecurities, and in my life, those insecurities, as I grew, began to manifest itself. Um, it began to manifest itself as pride. See, a lot of people think pride and insecurity are the opposite of one another, but actually pride and insecurity are the same thing. Um, when a person begins to respond to insecurity, it manifests itself as pride. And so for me, I, in my life, began to demonstrate pride and began to take pride in a lot of things. And... Um, begin to exert myself as much as possible to, to get power because I felt powerless as a, as a small guy, as a guy from a non-important uh, or influential home, as somebody who would often be overlooked. And I felt powerless, and so I would do things and act in such a way as to try to gain or exert power. Can anybody relate? The honest people. Okay, that's good. Right? I would do things to try to get power. My motivation wasn't pure. It wasn't right. It was, it was a coming from a place of brokenness in me that I felt like I needed to get power. I needed to gain power. And what power I got, I had to control it. And I was afraid that somebody or something was going to take it. And so I found myself working really hard to control my circumstances, to control myself, to gain power where I could. And, and as I began to develop a relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit started dealing with me about my pride. Now, because my pride was so ingrained in a response to my life and my circumstances and my trauma and all of those things, I was very defensive of my pride. And you probably have never done this, but, but what I did is I tried to spiritualize my pride. I tried to find verses of scripture that validated my pride and my prideful response to life and circumstances and worship and everything else. And the Holy Spirit began to strip that away from me. And one of the passages or chapters in Scripture that he used to do that was the one that I just read to you. And so this morning, I just want to make a few comments of things that I learned from, from, this, from chapter 6. And the first thing, if you read chapter 6, what you find out is that often, so the Ark of the Covenant had been taken um, by, from God's people and Oftentimes, there had been an attempt to bring the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, which was at that time the physical manifestation of the presence of God among his people. There had been several attempts to bring it back uh, to be among God's people, and there had been several failed attempts. David becomes the king of Israel, and so once again, uh, they start this campaign to get the presence of God back among God's people. And so you find 2 Samuel chapter 6 that David goes out, 
and he says, okay, let's go, let's go get uh, the ark and let's bring it back. Well, you'll go read this during your daily 20 this week. They go and they, uh, they go to try to bring back the ark of the covenant um, to among God's people. And the Bible says that, that they throw just a big fanfare. I mean, a huge celebration. They make a, a big to-do about bringing the presence of God back to God's people. David is fully demonstrating his authority, his power as king, his power to control the circumstance, and, and everybody's gonna see they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to the people, and, and a tragedy takes place. A tragedy takes place. They are in the process, and someone violates the process, and so as a result, uh, a man dies. And, and then things go from celebration to, uh, to panic. First thing I want you to see today is pageantry without obedience is just noise. Pageantry without obedience is just noise. Now listen, this, this is something that God taught me because here's what, here's what, you know what prideful do, people do? They puff their chest out. They get loud. They demonstrate their power. None of you know any prideful people, so you probably, have you ever seen that before? You start messing with somebody's pride. They're kind of meek. They're kind of, the, but you start messing with their pride and all of a sudden they start to bow up. Hello? Have you ever seen that before? I know some of you have seen it because you've looked in the mirror. <laughs> so David, David throws this big thing, this big to-do, to demonstrate we're bringing the ark back. See, what we can do is, if we're not careful, we can confuse pageantry, demonstrations of power, demonstrations of... We can confuse that with sincerity of heart. And if we're not careful, we do this in the church. If we're not careful, we get involved in a lot of activity that looks meaningful. But if our heart is in the wrong place, but get this, if our heart is in the wrong place and we're, we're doing it our way instead of God's way, it doesn't lead to more of the presence of God. Instead, it leads to more chaos. It leads to more hurt. It leads to more distance. We've taught this here at North Place. We talk about it a lot. You've got to understand that in the kingdom of God, everything in the kingdom of God hinges upon obedience. Everything in the kingdom of God hinges upon obedience. I've had people come in. Um, the church is uh, we're, we're going up on six years uh, now. I've had people come in through the years and say, you know, you know, Randy, uh, why don't why don't you why don't you make a bigger deal and speak about giving more? People have give. People got to give. People got to give. And uh, you know we could do more if people give. And and my answer is this: Look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna manipulate people into giving. The Bible is really clear about tithe and offering. Either you're gonna do it or you're not gonna do it. And I'm not gonna force you to do it. And I'm not gonna make us to make big fanfare about it and pretend as if we're doing it and manipulate you into giving. Here's what happens. Here's what's happened in the church. You look through the 90s and the 2000s. We've manipulated people into giving money that wasn't from their heart. And so as the result, we've built ministries that look like they have substance, but they crumble every day. That's because they're not real. 
That's because they're based on giving. They're based on fanfare that wasn't from the heart. Not based from obedience. They were based from scripture being taken out of context to produce fake promises in people's lives. That's why it doesn't work. So, listen, this is what happened. David went through all these motions, but it, when you read in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1-5, through 5, what happened, and you go read this later, David and uh, his, his guys, his posse, they decided that rather than following the very specific instructions that God had given them about how to move the Ark of the Covenant, instead they said, hey, let's, uh, let's just build a new cart. We got a better idea than the way God told us to do it. We're going to build a new cart and we're going to, who, we don't need guys to carry that Ark of the Covenant anymore. Let's build a cart. We'll get some oxen. We'll make it far more efficient and effective. We know better than God. And so David and his guys came up with another plan besides God's plan. And as a result, the scripture says that the Ark shook a little bit. And Uzzah thought, oh, wow, we can't let the Ark of the Covenant fall to the ground. And so you read verses 1 through 6. He reached out his hand to steady the Ark, and the Bible says that he was struck dead immediately. God's like, hold, hold on a minute. I have a plan. I've been very clear about my plan, and you violated my plan. And so there's going to be consequences because obedience is always better than sacrifice. Somewhere that's in the Bible. Just be obedient. Oh, be obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Here's the thing. Some of us in our pride are making a lot of noise for God, a lot of fanfare. And all the while he said, just be obedient. Many of us are making noise and we don't understand why does the noise not equate to more blessing in my life? Because we've been lied to thinking that God wants the noise. God doesn't want the noise. He wants your heart. He wants obedience. Now, does your heart, does obedience look like a lot of fanfare sometimes? Yeah, sometimes it does. But in this particular case, in this particular case, they violated obedience. And so it didn't matter what their activity was. It was never going to produce the correct result. Here's something you and I have to understand. And we don't get this. And I always know it's true when I'm operating out of pride rather than dignity. Because when I'm operating out of pride rather than dignity, I'm easily offended. And I'm easily offended for everybody else, including God. God is the guardian of his own dignity. Uzzah, Uzzah steadied the cart because he was afraid the Ark of the Covenant was going to fall. I've, I cannot tell you how many times I've read this passage of Scripture and I, I had a serious conversation with God and said, God, I don't, like, I don't understand. Uzzah was just trying to protect you. Uzzah was just, he thought the ark was going to fall, so he was trying to do a good thing. Why did he have to die? And, and here's, the, like, here's the answer that I got from the Holy Spirit. I didn't ask Uzzah to protect me. I had a plan. The plan was the Levites would carry the ark on their shoulder. 
And if Uzzah and David and everybody else would have just followed the plan, everything would have been fine. And oh, by the way, even when they weren't following the plan, everything was going to be fine. Because my glory, my presence, my power really wasn't confined to that box anyways. I'm God. I don't need them to protect me. In fact, hey, let me show you something. I'm just going to come to earth. I'm going to lay it all down. And I'm going to show you that I'm still God. I'm going to let you give me your best shot. I'm going to let all of your sin be on my shoulders. All of the price of everything you could ever do wrong. All of the carts everywhere in all of the world falling over on me. And I'm still going to get up from that grave. Because that's how good I am. Because that's how glory, that's how much glory I have. God didn't need me to protect him. God didn't need Uzzah to protect him. He doesn't need you and I to protect him. But, but when I'm operating from a place of pride, I'm consistently living in this place of threat. And when I'm living in a place of threat, I think God is under threat. I, I wonder how many times socially or politically we, we take a stand for things, we do things as if God needs us to defend him. I wonder how much of our motivation around the things we say and we do are really based on these are things that God has said or are they based on the ideas that, that we have had that we think are better than God's idea? David said, hey, let's build a cart. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll just ride God's presence on this cart. Now, I, I want to be very clear here before I move on from this point. The third commandment says that we're not to take the Lord God's name in vain. If you understand that commandment, what you understand, a lot of us think, oh, that just means I can't say this certain curse word. But really, it's a lot more than that. What that commandment means is I'm not supposed to say God said something that he didn't say. In fact, there are a lot of people who are struck dead in Scripture uh, because they said God said something he didn't say. Some of those harshly treated people in Scripture Contexts throughout history have been when people have presumed to speak for God, when people have had a better idea than God's idea. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, and this is what had to happen for my life, because remember I told you, I started spiritualizing my own pride. I wonder how many times I have confused and conflated God's word and constructed God's word to, 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 advocate for things that fed my pride rather than things that God actually said himself. How many times have I taken scripture out of context to validate what, what I wanted or what I felt or what protected me instead of what God actually said? How many times have I built a cart because I had a better way? How many times have I steadied the cart because I was threatened when God was never threatened at all? David became very upset when all of this happened. Uzzah died. Everything he thought he was doing, all the noise he thought he was making. He said, I, I'm scared. I, I can't take the ark back with me. This kind of stuff is going to happen. And so he left, he left the ark at Obed-Edom's house. Listen, it's, it's irrational to expect God to violate his own word. I, I just... 
It was irrational of David to think God gave a very specific command to have the Levites carry the ark. God gave a very specific command about how they were to treat the ark of the covenant. And David thought to himself, oh, I've got a better idea. Let me do it a better way. And to just think everything was gonna be okay. Guys, it's absolutely irrational for you to have a revelation of God and his word and to know truth and to believe that you can violate that truth and everything is just gonna work out okay. I I, I don't under, you know what it is? It's pride. It's pride that says, I'm the exception to the rule. It's pride that says, yes, I know God said this. I know his word said this, but I can do it my way and everything is okay. No, pastor, what about grace and what about mercy? Well, let me just take scripture out of context. Let me apply it over here to feed my pride. It's a prideful person that always expects to be the exception to the rule. It's the prideful person who applies the rules to everybody else, but doesn't apply them to themselves. It's a prideful person. It's a prideful person when we're all in the queue and they just drive around thinking they can go to the front. Who is this guy? Where did he come from? Why does he get to jump the line? This has not happened to anybody else. It must just be the Lord working on me. It's the prideful person who always says, well, I have this circumstance or I'm a special case or I'm a, come on, honey, we can't all be special. We can't all be an exception to the rule. You know what happens when everybody's an exception to the rule? There's no rules. It's called chaos. It's called chaos. I think some of us are addicted to chaos. David, this is the audacity of David. Verse eight says, David became angry with God. David broke the rules. David disobeyed God. And then he got mad at God because there were consequences for his disobedience. Imagine that. He became disappointed, upset, disenfranchised with God. Said, I don't want to bring the covenant. I don't want to bring the ark with me because because what's going to happen? How many times, how many times have we allowed our hearts to be offended by God when God has been very clear about his direction in our life and we've just ignored it? We ignore it because of our own pride. But here's the thing. I read it to you earlier. The ark was left at Obed-Edom's house, and the Bible says that that here's what happened. Here's what happened. Obed-Edom's house was blessed. God's presence exchanges atmosphere. Is it worth it, Pastor Randy? Is it worth it to sacrifice? Is it worth it to be obedient to the Lord? Is it worth it to do it God's way? Scripture shows over and over and over again. If you and I are obedient 
if you and I will allow our pride to die and just obey the Lord, Scripture shows over and over and over again that where his presence is, there is blessing. Now watch, watch what happens. David, I read it to you. Here's that there's blessing at Obed-Edom's house, and all of a sudden, he starts, he starts to change. His mindset starts to change. Rather than having a better idea, rather than trying to be an exception to the rule, rather than trying to take things into my own hands, rather than trying to prove myself, David says, let us, let us go get that ark. Let's bring it back. David was told, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David, the Bible says, went up. Uh, he went up to bring the ark of God uh, uh, from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Everything changed. There was a lot of noise in the beginning, but the noise was always, it was a show. It was an expression of David's pride. But now in his humility, in his humility, he goes back to the house of Obed-Edom and everything changes. Excessiveness, get this, excessiveness is an earmark of those who authentically value the presence of God. But the excessiveness, how do, I, how do I know the difference between excessiveness and prideful noise? Well, excessiveness is gonna cost you something. The Bible says that David went down with rejoicing and he stripped off, he stripped off his kingly robes and he got down to a linen ephod. Again, what did I quote to you earlier? A passage about Jesus where Jesus stripped off the glory of heaven, and he came to earth. Now David is reflecting the nature of Jesus. He's stripping off his vestiges of pride. It's costing him something, and now he is to what other people would consider excessively demonstrating his desire for God's presence. See, the difference between someone who's prideful and someone who truly has dignity is that a person with dignity has the capacity to give something away. They have the capacity to lay something down. The Bible says in second, I read it to you earlier, when verse 13 and 15, when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Wearing a linen infod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and, and sounds of praise. What was the difference? Well, the difference was now it was in alignment with what God had said. The difference was David had now surrendered his pride. In every six steps, they would offer a sacrifice. Every six steps, they would shout, they would praise. See, a lot of times, I'm so close to being out of time, but I've got, I've got to make this point. Some of you, some of you, Worship from the back of the room because you think, you think that's the, because you think you've been told, well, if you worship in the front of the room, uh, you're being prideful. Some of you have been shamed into sitting in your seats. The music plays and your leg is tapping, but you're doing everything you can to keep it from moving because you've been shamed into believing that if you're excessive in your worship, that somehow or another you're being prideful. Some of you get so emotional. You get so emotional in church 
when you hear a, a, you hear a point of a sermon or we're in a worship song or in a moment of prayer because there is a reflection on something that God has done in your life and you have confused, you have confused pride with dignity and you think, you think I'm suppressing my pride. And I wanna give you, I, I wanna give you permission, but I wanna do, I wanna do more than give you permission. I wanna call you forward into your excessiveness today. Because for many of us, for many of us, we have stuff to lay down. I'm wearing this robe, and when I come in here every Sunday, my pride, my pride wants me to keep it on. My pride is concerned with how everybody else sees me and looks at me, and if everybody knows exactly who I am, and if I'm performing correctly for everybody. Maybe it's not you, maybe it's just me, but I, I'm just asking you by the Spirit to consider this today. To consider this today. Is it, is it possible? Is it possible that you're not responsive? Not because, not because you're behaving correctly, proper. Is it possible that you're not excessive because you're acting out of your pride? Is it possible that you're keeping those emotions suppressed and oppressed and, and bottled down because because you've been taught that you've got to perform a certain way when you're in certain rooms, and that if you don't perform a certain way when you're in certain rooms, that somehow or another, somehow or another, people are going to think less of you? Is it possible? David, David took off, David took off the robes. He said, I don't, I don't care what anybody thinks. And I read the story to you, his, his wife, his wife said, hey, you're, you're behaving incorrectly. Interestingly enough, David grew up, David grew up in a shepherd's, in, in a field. She grew up in a palace. She knew how she was supposed to behave. He didn't, he didn't know how he was supposed to behave. And in that moment, she pointed out to him, you're not behaving the way you're supposed to behave. And some of us are so concerned with behaving the way we're supposed to behave, we're not behaving the way we're supposed to behave. We're so concerned with following the rules and respecting the room and making sure that we're doing all the right things that we're not doing the thing that we were created for. And for some of, for some of us, for some of us, it's a sacrifice. For some of us, it's excessive. For some of us, it means forcing. It means forcing. David was determined. He was determined to not allow what other people thought of him to determine his response to this moment in which he had surrendered his pride. He had surrendered his pride to obedience following what God had called him to do. See, here's the thing. You got to get this. And I got, I literally have two or three minutes. So let me, I'll make some points real quick. See, bitterness is a set of lenses that causes you to be critical of others' freedoms. Michael was bitter 
Um, and scripture makes it clear. I'm not making this up. I'm not sermonizing it. She was bitter. David pointed it out because ultimately her, her household were, was not allowed to continue to be king. And David was made king. So she was bitter. Now, the truth is, it wasn't Michael who had sinned. It, it was her father, Saul, or her grandfather, Saul, who had sinned. It was somebody else's choices and decision, but it had cost her something. And that thing that had cost her something had created bitterness in her heart. And responding, responding out of her bitterness, she became judgmental and critical towards somebody else. I, ju I just am encouraging you, let the Holy Spirit... Is it possible that times when I respond to other people's freedom um, through the lenses of being critical or judgmental, is, is, it, is it possible that it's not because they're wrong, but it's because I'm bitter? No, they just don't know. You're supposed to act this way. You're supposed to behave this way. This is the cart that we have built to contain the presence of God. Is it possible? See, I can't, this is between you and the Holy Spirit. When I judge somebody else's worship, when I judge someone else's response, when I judge someone else's response to the freedom that God has brought into their life, is that saying more about them or more about me? I believe that it's saying more about me. David, in this moment, I said, listen, I, you know, I really don't, I get it. You were raised in the palace and I was raised in the field. But I, I learned the hard way. I tried, to be the, I tried to be the prideful king and make the noise and build the cart and be all fancy and proper. And I tried to go down there and I tried to do it with my wealth and my power and my opulence and my intellect. I tried to do all that and look what it got me. Uzziah's dead and I've made a mess of things. David said, I tried to be that way, that doesn't work. So instead, this is who God's created me to be. See, I, what I've learned about pride and dignity is I, I never can allow a person committed to their chains to define my freedom. And Michael was committed to her chains. She had married David. She was still in the palace. She still had access to all the blessing of the kingdom, but instead of being free and enjoying it, she was ticked off. Do you get that? Do you get that? She still had access to all the wealth of the kingdom because she was married to David, but she wouldn't enjoy it because she was still mad at what somebody else had done. She was committed to her bondage. She was committed to her chains. And David said, I'm not going to allow someone who's committed to their bondage to determine my freedom. I'm going to worship anyways. And then, man, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sad verses of scripture. Then you, you read at the very end. She was bitter. She spoke negatively about David. 
Scripture says that from that point forward, she was barren. Guarded bitterness leads to barrenness. Guarded bitterness leads to barrenness. Throughout Scripture, over and over and over and over again, bitterness always equates to barrenness. The lack of fruit. The lack of fruit. This is what what the Holy Spirit challenged me with very early in my life. Randy, when, when you surrendered your pride, when you know who you are in Christ and you have dignity and you operate out of that dignity, you will be fruitful. But when you're operating out of pride, something that you can control and working hard to control everybody and everything, and then getting completely devastated when you can't keep control. Randy, you're, you're living out of your bitterness and, and here's how you'll always know it because you'll be barren. There won't be any fruit. The fruit of the Spirit are... The fruit of the Spirit are... Come on. Come on, somebody. Love, joy, peace, patience. Are you with me? Am I fruitful? Am I fruitful? If I'm not fruitful, it means I'm barren. Why am I barren? I'm barren because I'm bitter. I'm bitter because I'm prideful. But we become confused. When we're religious, we become confused because we do all the stuff. We look like we're doing it right, but it's coming from the wrong motivation. God, help us to be people who are surrendered. People with dignity are surrendered. People with pride are guarded. People with dignity live open-handed. People with dignity can take off kingly garments. They don't have to put on a front or an air. They can be unguarded. Because you can't hurt me. Because I know who I am. I know what I am. Whether the slave girl recognizes me or not, I'm still the king. David says, whether she likes me or she doesn't like me, I'm honored because I'm living in my identity. And I know I'm living in my identity because I'm surrendered.